Good morning, and the conversation begins here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and we're going to get political this morning in our conversation, although not necessarily directly about Donald Trump. We're going to talk with Bob Newman, Newman Communications, and we're going to take a look at the Democratic side of the equation. Who's running to replace Donald Trump in the 2020 election? Democrats, Democrats everywhere. How's it all going to work? All this and more coming up here on 94 WIP. More good conversation in just a bit. Hey, Alexa, play Conversations with Peter Solomon here on 94 WIP, because that's where you are right now. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Bob Newman, Newman Communications. And we're talking about the Democratic candidates running for the presidency. First comes the primary, then comes the general. Who will win? Round and round, the wheel goes. Who will win? Nobody knows. Good morning, Bob Newman. Peter, how are you this morning? I'm fine. Bob, I got to tell you, the list of Democratic potential candidates gives me a headache telling them apart. What do you think? You know, it it does. And and I'm not trying to divert too much, but, you know, this has been a week in the past week where, you know, we had a terrible, terrible plane crash where um, the Democrats have to also accept, and I'm going to give you a couple of couple of things that, that have happened in the country that are that are such minutiae, but they have to accept this is our country. You know, I saw this past week that employees at Amazon warehouses throughout the country, owned by Jeff Bezos, the owner of the Washington Post, were not terribly unhappy. We're at the point where they're committing suicide, that the conditions are awful. You know, the same with UPS. You know, the the Democrats who are so proud of the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, and the work that they've done over the years, their founder has been accused of racism and sexual harassment. We saw the, you know, the Hollywood bribe scandal, which, again, I have to, you know, emphasize is many Democrats, you know, people of liberal nature, of progressive nature, you know. Everybody knows what's gone on in the country with with the uh, Jesse Smollett situation, uh, you know, where he concocted a racial hoax there. And there's really with him and with Michael Jackson and, and others, there's been a reckoning in uh, in the black community. Um, Democrats are are are, uh, are looking at the division that now happens with uh, with their support for Israel. Um, and especially it's been related to, you know, several congresswomen who women who have, who have brought out, you know, problems. There's there's a terrible division daily in the Congress that Nancy Pelosi, you know, doesn't seem to be able to get her hands around with people like the New York Congresswoman AOC or uh, Congresswoman Tlaib from from uh, from Michigan, as well as Congresswoman Omar from um from Minnesota, and you know the the world is looking at uh, at them making comments about Venezuela and kind of ripping our country apart, as well as what may now happen with with Kim Jong Un. Even even in you know local Pennsylvania, um, you see the you know the battles over just more of the Me Too sexual harassment scandals with uh, people uh, like your your uh, local senator uh, Leach. The reason I bring these up is it's really driven a division in the party. Um, and the party has not only the the few moderates who are left, uh, I mean, who, who are left, uh, no pun intended, and then the far left, you know, the 
the uh, the so-called social democrats that are there. So what it done as a result of what I just said, you know, number one, a, a country that is really fraying in so many ways, whether it be economically, whether it be morally, um, and it, it, it has really made for a party that is fraying. And it, it seems as though anybody and everybody, as you just said, Peter, uh, thinks that they can run. Um, you know, there's there's Vice President Biden, uh, there's Senator uh, Sanders, there's ex-Representative uh, Beto O'Rourke, a man who has lost, you know, a recent election but thinks he can run for president. Senator Harris, who was a former attorney general of the state of California. Senator Warren of Mass, Booker of New Jersey, Klobuchar of, uh, of Minnesota, Gillibrand of New York, uh, Congresswoman Gabbard uh, of Hawaii and uh, the mayor of South Bend, Mayor Pete of, of South Bend, as he is known as, the former Obama housing secretary, Julian Castro, two former governors, Jay Inslee and John Higginlooper, and we haven't even got to the also-ran Senator uh, Bennett of Colorado is talking about it, Governor Bullock of Montana, Congressman Delaney of, of Maryland is already running. Who knows if Mayor de Blasio will run. Um, uh, Stacey Abrams, who lost in Georgia, has talked about running. Massachusetts uh, Congressman uh, Seth Moulton, a former, uh, a former uh, officer in the, in the Army, has talked about running. Ohio Representative Tim Ryan, um, Representative Eric Swalwell of California. There's a there's a VC entrepreneur Andrew Yang already running, and there's a uh, the spiritual guru Marion Williamson running. So what we can do, Peter, if we have just a second here, is we can kind of eliminate the bottom tier and get down to ten for you. Okay, Please. Williamson, who, who who focuses on spiritual, we have to take her out. There's no way. She will. She will, This will work. I don't believe the uh, the the venture capitalist Andrew Yang uh, will will work. Uh, whether it be Swalwell, Ryan, Moulton, take them out. They're congressmen. Um, only two congressmen, Lincoln and Garfield, have ever uh, have ever won. I think Stacey Abrams will rip apart the party if she runs. Um, you're you're going to lose much of the black vote at that point for these more experienced candidates. Uh, I hope she sticks to her integrity, and uh, which was her saying 2028 would be the first time she runs. I, I'll be very blunt here about the mayor of New York. He's been a poor mayor of New York, an unpopular mayor of New York, a divisive mayor of New York, and I don't think he will have any legs out there. And if he runs, it will be a continuation of Bill uh, de Blasio's career and running for ego. Um, despite being on CNN for an hour, I don't think John Delaney of, uh, of the Maryland 6th District will work. And if, uh, if Governor uh, Steve Bullock of Montana gets in or Senator Mike Bennett of Colorado gets in, I don't see them. 
So that leaves us now with the two ex-governors. Higginlooper wants to be, a, be the moderate and talk about business. I don't see him having a constituency in the party. And Jay Inslee wants to go far left and run only on one issue, the environment. So let's take him off the table. That brings us down to 10, and I still can probably eliminate Julian Castro because if you're going to look to Texas and you're going to look to Latino roots, you're probably going to look to Representative O'Rourke at that point. So that gets you down to nine. I have to tell you, number nine I really like, which is the uh, which is the mayor of uh, of South Bend, uh, Pete uh, Batege. Uh, and and again, we're all going to have difficulty as he made clear on TV pronouncing his last name. I actually think he connects really well. Um, I understand that someone of the LBGT community may not be able to get elected. He fought in the in wars. He worked for McKinsey. He's been a mayor. I actually, and, and I think he's one of the few who doesn't have what we're going to talk about here today. They're all haunted by past actions and current comments. So, again, we get down here to... Uh, to, to, to nine, uh, uh, n- number nine, Tulsi Gabbard. She is haunted by the fact that she said positive things about the Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. She went there, she visited him, she kissed up to him, despite the fact that she should have strong military roots because she fought. I, I think that this is going to haunt her throughout the campaign and throughout the rest of her career which then moves up one rung and gets to the Senator Gillibrand. Senator Gillibrand can't even get the support of others in the New York delegation, okay? Um, Secondly, Senator Gillibrand is personally responsible in the Democratic Party for the elimination of Al Franken. They all were on the fence. They all weren't saying anything. And she was the domino who pushed it over. And there is some deep-seated anger as a result of that in the party. So that brings you up one rung again to, to Senator Klobuchar. What, what is she hunted by? She was a terrible boss just an angry boss, a yeller, somebody who would do bizarre things and, uh, and, and get angry at people, eat with her, her comb, then make somebody clean her comb. The stories are great, and she is excusing them away by saying a good boss, as she said yesterday, could negotiate with, uh, with Vladimir Putin. I think Senator Klobuchar has a lot of upsides, and we can talk about her in a minute because I'm only trying to do an overview here. Um, At that point, we're talking about uh, uh, Senator Booker. Senator Booker, I think, has upsides. He actually managed some people, being mayor of Newark, which others here don't have any mayoral, uh, uh, I mean, don't have any management experience. And again, we can go much deeper into Klobuchar, into Gillibrand. Uh, Booker managed uh, people, but running on what is he? What he's trying to do? The love, uh, the love uh, 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 narrative is actually, I don't know if it's going to work. Obviously, the other side of the party is running on the anger narrative here, 
but Senator Booker has vacillated with many. He's vacillated with the Jewish community. And the one thing that will come out that I've talked about for years with Senator Booker is there is no other senator out of the 100 senators, no other one, who takes more money from Wall Street, and this will haunt him. Uh, that brings us up, you know, one tier on, on the list to, uh, to Senator Warren, okay? There are upsides, but when we talk about the downsides and being haunted, we understand what she did. Trump was after her about Pocahontas, 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 and he was right in the end. She doesn't always connect very well. She's talked about the wealth tax. Um, she's talked about this week breaking up Amazon and Google and, uh, and other high-tech giants. So everything what she's really trying to do is rip down, and many look at her as a Harvard-educated, Harvard professor who is, who is a bit arrogant. So that brings us up in the tier to Senator, Senator Harris. Uh, I think there will be personal that keeps coming out, not to really go into the gutter, but Senator Harris was nobody in California, not even a district attorney until she had an affair with then-Mayor Willie Brown of San Francisco. She became a district attorney then. She became a, a, an attorney general who has been criticized by the New York Times as being far too conservative while she may be able to to get uh, in large part the the uh, the African American uh, vote and also the women vote of the party, uh, I don't know outside of California if she will work. It will be to her advantage that California votes very early, you know. And so that brings you up to the top three, you know, Beto being third. Sanders being second and, and Biden being first, okay? Beto, it, it, it amazes me, A, that he can come from losing to where he is. People have looked in the last 48 hours and said, uh, what is this with this arrogance on, on the cover of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of Vanity Fair? It looks like a Reagan picture he does. He also has copied his name. He was named after Bobby Kennedy, Robert Francis O'Rourke. He looks like a Kennedy at this point, Peter. And he also just constantly is making mistakes, criticized in the last 24 hours of not being sensitive about comments he made about being a parent and about his marriage. He also has been criticized for earlier arrest, his arrest record. Some have even rumored, although it probably is incorrect, but it's out there, about a drug record that's out there. And so while... Uh, while he, he, he seems to be sexy out there, I also think from a policy standpoint, he's pretty disingenuous. He has run as a moderate because he lives in Texas. He has had to. I don't necessarily know if he'll connect with the moderates. He identified himself yesterday when trying to explain his parenting comments as being part of white privilege. And I wonder if people will look at him and think he's arrogant. He does have that arrogance that works to his advantage like Obama. When he makes a mistake, which Obama had many in the beginning of his administration, he just apologizes, laughs it off, says, I will try to do better next time. I don't know how long 
that that uh, that will 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 go there. I also don't know if Beto necessarily has a platform, or if he's only solely running on his his ability to fundraise, uh, which he did in Texas so well, or his a ability to connect with individuals. That takes you up to Senator Sanders. Um, Obviously, the downside here for Senator Sanders, aside from what people may relate to investigations that were done on his wife, some that will relate to the fact that he isn't a member of the party, actually, the Democratic Party. Um, with, with Senator Sanders, he is going to be targeted for his age, no, no doubt about it. And so that then... Um, and, and again, there are many upsides that we can talk about uh, and go into them individually. That leaves you with, with Senator Biden, okay? I don't think uh, anybody is as – I didn't think anybody could be as good at uh, this cliffhanger thing that uh, Donald Trump does all the time, but Biden has tried to do it. Last night for him was another gaffe. He is the king of gaffes, and he almost said that he already was a candidate out there. Sure, he comes in with the far most experience. Vice President, head of Foreign Relations Committee, has relationships throughout the world, has domestic bona fides out there, um, has a, an organization like Sanders does, who is, Sanders has raised a tremendous amount of money, $6 million on the first day. Um, but I think there are questions, again, about age with Vice President Biden and whether he can get through this race and whether the party at this point is looking for something new. So that basically is the lineup without going deep on them. And again, we can. Um, they're haunted all by past comments and actions, Biden having years of gaffes out there. Um, and then they're uh, they're high. They're very much many of them can't get their footing. I mean, I talked about current comments. Um, uh, Kamala Harris of California uh, was up in New Hampshire and said that Portsmouth, New Hampshire was going to was going to like be gone soon as a result of the environmental uh, uh, questions and problems and challenges out there. She talked about smoking pot and doing it to Tupac Shakur, who actually was not even out there when she was smoking pot. And she talked about the pot smokers where she grew up and had days and days of criticism from, uh, from her countrymen uh, and her family for what she said and for the, the kind of swipe that she she took at uh, at her native people so i i think right now if i had my choice i would still say that biden is the way to go um i think peter this is all about electoral college and i think if you take biden he's from delaware uh, he he lives in delaware now he grew up in Scranton. he can get those electoral votes there in pennsylvania if he teams with an amy klobuchar who can get um, Wisconsin, who can get Minnesota, who might be able to get Michigan, too. They can take back that working man, uh, moderate Midwest, with Klobuchar as one of the few, along with Biden, left on the ticket. They can also get women at that point. If not, he need, Biden would need to team with another white man like Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio who decided not to run be, to, to get those electoral votes. He may win Ohio at that point. 
And again, if the Democratic Party believes that it's going to be all about personality and that it's going to be all about the beauty contest and all about falling in love, they again will lose to Donald Trump. If they make it about electoral votes, it will win. Thanks for letting me take all this time to go through that. Not a problem, Bob. Not a problem. Um, Where's all the money supposed to come from with all these people out there raising money? There's probably more need for the money than there is money to raise. You know, it, it, it just it, it goes to that whole idea that during the 2016 elections, the reason Jeff Zucker of CNN, the president, had a smile on his face is that midterm election, they did $50 billion of revenue at CNN. Wonder why AT&T wants to buy Time Warner. Um, and they profited $25 billion. There's a lot of money out there, and there's a lot of people who will do anything to get Donald Trump out of the White House. Uh, But it will, just like the votes, it will break it up considerably. The party not only will be broken up money-wise, it will be broken up intellectually, it will be broken up partisan-wise in terms of the party, and it will be broken up in terms of votes at the end. So... There's money out there to be had, um, but I think what uh, what candidates will do over the next days, weeks, and months, up to the first six months, even before the New Hampshire primary, many will look at what their fundraising abilities are. Many will look at what their what their polls are, and I think you will see on the one hand this field will expand because more egos will come out. On the other hand, it will it will uh, dwindle as a result of the fact that people uh, the the candidates don't meet any of those three criteria in a positive way. Now you mentioned how many of them have baggage that they come with. Some of them come. With- I think I think they all have baggage okay. on this group, except and probably Mayor Pete. But you might say being LBGT is baggage. But they all seem to have have a lot of baggage, and Americans have to uh, have to really conclude whether baggage is normal and baggage is good. George W. Bush said, "I got drunk, I got caught, my dad got me out of it, and got elected a week later after they said that." Will baggage work for work now, or or won't it work now? And will it potentially diminish the negativity negatives that Trump has? At that point, they'll say, "Well, he has baggage too." Exactly. Um, jump jump in and talk about baggage. All right, that that's it exactly. Is there baggage any worse than what Donald Trump brings to the table? You know, I I have to tell you what annoys me day to day more than anything is they he hands them the football daily daily and they fumble it okay and and you know this goes to what congresswoman omar with what uh congresswoman uh aoc what 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 they do every day and what the party overall does every day and i think it also comes into play here which is at that point it is going to eliminate his negatives they're all going to say you know what Everybody is a flawed human being out here. But, but some of them, there, there is this attitude on the Democratic side, and I laughed about it earlier. O'Rourke has it, Harris has it, and Biden will have it. They kind of laugh it off. They say, <laughs> you know, who cares? Biden this past week, 
everybody dug into what he was like in the 1970s. The racist and sexist comments were, were unbelievable. Everybody pulled out those tapes that are creepy of Vice President Biden touching women in public settings when, you know, when awards and, and speeches were being given. I, you know, I think people have to rate baggage against each other. What do you think of Biden's baggage, the couple that I did, and, and move it over to Beto? You know, breaking and entering. Um, he then, uh, you know, so he had the breaking and entering charge. Beto then had the, uh, um, the, the drunk driving charge. But now, in addition to the crazy comments this week, they're digging out things that he wrote when he was in grade school, middle school, or high school that were very dark. Okay, that were like goth in the, in their own nature, and so is that going to be baggage? People are going to say no, it shouldn't come from years before like that. Well, that's what you did to uh, to the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh at that point, and so this campaign you have to question, Peter. Will it ever be about issues? Will it always be about infighting in the party, each of them getting at each other? Will it be about baggage in the past that they have, or will it be about faux pas in the current that they come up with? Well, let me ask you a question then, Bob, from your own experience. Do people vote because of issues, or do people vote for personalities? No, they vote for personality. Who would you rather have a Coke with? You know, and you don't say not beer because he, he was an alcoholic, but George W. Bush or Al Gore. You would rather have a Coke with uh, with uh, George W. Bush, and so he got elected. You may not, but uh, but but more Americans said that they would. They vote on personality. That's very true, and I don't think that that Donald Trump and the personality that he put out there, you know, is 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 any is any greater. I think they have to examine who can beat Donald Trump. That's a really important one, and what personality can beat him. And, you know, I think what Trump has against him is there now is a body of work that is going to be judged. You know, for example, last week he said, well, I was the president every day. Don't do anything at 8, 9, and 10 o'clock in the morning, and I watch TV. So I'm watching this Beto on TV, watching Beto throw his arms around, okay? MSNBC, tied to the Brian Williams show at 11 o'clock, did a wonderful segment where they pieced together every one of his speeches and his crazy hand motions. We're talking about Trump, not Beto. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so so they throw it back. They can throw it back at him. But this makes for, uh, you know, for all of us, it will be extremely tiring. You know, your your listeners may think I get excited by this. I've said it many times. I get excited by international relations. I get concerned by Venezuela or North Korea. (laughs) This is a show. I've said it to you so many times over the years. Politics has upgraded professional wrestling, and unfortunately now it actually is on the level of professional wrestling, and this, this election will, will, will play into that too. The other thing factor that you've got to look at is during the 2016 and 2012 uh, elections, and most of them related to Republicans who had a large field, the media every day wanted to do a gotcha. Who can we get out on a given day? Chris Christie today. You know, we can we can find something on this guy. We can make fun of this guy here. And you know what? They've already started it, even with the Democrats. People will say, well, MSNBC and CNN want the Democrats to get out there. Well, more importantly than than uh, they want the Democrats to look positive out there. 
they want to make money, and they believe making money is making politics more like sport. Okay, obviously we're on the right station, you know, here uh, because you know it's a sports station during the week, but but politics has become sport out there, and this is what you you, you went to. It is based on personality. It is not based on substance out here. And uh, I think Americans are going to have to look and say, who can I take, you know, A, who has the best personality? Who can I relate to? But also, who has the least baggage? The Democratic Party is steeped in problems. Now, I, I listed some of them earlier. I didn't even talk about Virginia. Whatever happened, the governor didn't leave. Okay, the lieutenant governor, who is known as a uh, accused of rape, didn't leave the attorney general, too. And so while the Republican Party is put out there because of Manafort and Cohen and, and, and Roger Stone and all these people, they're put out there as the bad ones. There are problems within the Democratic Party. There's division. And Americans have to figure out who can bring them together, who can heal them, and most importantly, Peter, who can beat Donald Trump. Well, speaking of Donald Trump and beating him, it seems to me the Mueller report has the ability to be a major game changer. What do you think? You know, you know, I, I actually, I think what what the game uh, that the Congress has some instinct. I'm going to take the other side. The Congress has some instinct that the Mueller report is not going to necessarily have in it um, those items that may be able to to push them over to uh, to impeachment and removal. And I think that's why they're doing the level of investigation that they're doing uh, that they're doing now. Um, I, 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 I also go against the fact that Mueller's totally done, although his chief deputy, Andrew Wiseman, left last week. Uh, he was, Wiseman was more of a, uh, a money laundering guy, and that's where they got these, uh, you know, a couple of these people on, Manafort, Flynn, uh, Roger Stone, and others trying to relate them to Russia. Um, I don't think he's necessarily done. I think the game changer could be if they peel it back and if they get at any of Trump's own finances or Trump's own um, family finances, uh, his kids uh, at all. I don't necessarily think that the Mueller report, if it goes to the heart of was there relations with Russia, I think there was relations with Russia. I think a lot of people interacted. I don't think they'll get Donald Trump necessarily on ordering that. And if they do, it's going to solely come from Michael Cohen, which, again, I don't know if they'll indict, you know, uh, uh, a sitting president or if they will indict high levels solely on Michael Cohen. So I'm skeptical of the Mueller report at uh, at this point that it has any 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 real strength to it. I think overall it will be damning, Peter. There's no doubt. I mean, you can spin any report either way, and it's going to come out as damning to the president. But is that damning going to be past the level of him just accusing it being a partisan witch hunt? I don't know. I, I, I don't see it that that way at this point. And I think at that point, you're going to have Elijah Cummings at all just trying to 
and, and, and Richie Neal over at the uh, at the House Ways and Means Committee looking for taxes. You're going to have anybody just trying to get under Trump's skin for the next you know two years, hoping maybe he'll throw in the towel. If that leaves Pence, Pence is unelectable. The Democrat will will walk in here. If they can't beat him one to one, one on one, they may try to find another way to beat him. I actually just think, Peter, again, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. The way to beat him is by looking at the Electoral College, okay? While, Peter, there are states voting, and the states are Colorado, Rhode Island, Vermont, Hawaii, Connecticut, Maryland, Mass, Washington, New Jersey, New York, Illinois, California, and D.C. all have voted that their electoral votes go towards uh, the person who got the um, the national popular vote. Despite that, I don't think that that will be completely, completely changed uh, over by the time we get the election. And there are enough Republican states who won't go in that direction. And therefore, I just think you have to piece together those couple of states. I mean, look back at the second Bush election. If uh, if John Kerry had got 60,000 more votes in Ohio he would have won the presidency at that point, but Karl Rove found a way to get those 60,000 votes in certain districts. I, the Democrats literally have to look at regaining Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, and, uh, and Michigan. And uh, at that point, they, having already turned Nevada and, uh, and New Mexico, I think they'll have the numbers even if the Republicans win in Florida and Ohio. But they're not thinking about this because politicians think of ego, unfortunately. They don't necessarily think of what, you know, what gets us to the finish line. The other question that you have to ask yourself is, with this uh, gang of uh, 20 here, 20 plus, will they cannibalize each other prior to the election and give Trump so much opposition research that it will, what's his name, end, uh, end whoever the nominee's uh, election pretty early and, uh, and have this, you know, look like it was, uh, you know, the, re- the recurrence of Walter Mondale or Michael Dukakis. Uh, that may all sound crazy to, to everybody based on the craziness we watch in Washington and with the Trump administration, but the Democrats have to play this right and cannibalizing each other, ego, and a beauty contest is not the way to do it. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP, All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Bob Newman, Newman Communications. We're talking politics, politics on the Democratic side. Candidates running around like roaches in a room. Who's going to be the supreme one? We'll find out as the years progress. My name's Peter Solomon. All right, Bob, let's talk about some of the candidates. Sure. Let's talk about Mayor Pete. Do you think this country is possibly ready for um, an LGBT? My tongue trips over it. You know, it's interesting. After the, uh, you know, two, two and a half years ago when the the marriage decision was made in the Supreme Court, I called the Kennedy decision because he's the only one who mattered on the Supreme Court. And uh, Kennedy, you know, wrote an absolutely terrible, terrible uh, brief, but... He actually wrote the uh, wrote the brief saying, you know what, the country has got to the point where they're okay with this. Um, I have to figure out a way to thread the needle in terms of law. Uh, a year later, okay, uh, a year later, there was a survey done on uh, you know who supports uh, uh, marriage, uh, uh, gay marriage at that point, and seventy percent said they agreed. Now I'm going to flip on you right here. 
I'm not arguing that they are ready. I don't think they're ready, okay? Can he thread the needle, to use that word again, in that he was a uh, he, uh, he was in the Army? Can he thread the needle in that he was a business guy working at McKinsey, you know, the great consulting company, uh, uh, management consulting company? Um, and is America really ready for a mayor of a small to mid-sized city, okay, to be president? I think the answer is no, no, no. I just think he, he he doesn't have necessarily the downsides of the others. He has a wonderful way of connecting. And you know what? He showed he wasn't a total wimp when he went after Vice President Pence um, as being the the vice president for the porn star president, to, you know, to quote him. Um, so I, I think he has a lot of upsides. I kind of wish he would, you know, take two more steps in terms of politics. But, man, it would be a totally different attitude because he connects with people. He's, he's smart. Um, he knows issues, you know, up and down. He, uh, he can look at the camera, and, uh, and he's got a smile. I think that uh, that really does take people. But, no, Americans, I don't believe, are ready uh, for that. They, they may be ready for a women pre- president. They were ready for a, uh, an African-American president. I don't think they're ready for a gay president. I don't think they're ready for a Jewish president, and I probably could go on here. So, unfortunately, despite the fact that I think he has the least amount of baggage, um, I don't necessarily think that Mayor Pete is, uh, is going to be uh, the choice. Uh, it, it, and by the way, if he is, if he takes hold in New Hampshire, if he takes hold in Iowa— for whatever reason, if he can get above the powerful Biden, Sanders, and the allure of Beto and Harris, if he can do that, wonderful. If he can't, then I think uh, he has a future in politics, but it may not be his president. But how about his vice president? I, I, I think there's a better way to do it. I don't know if, if Indiana is necessarily the state that you want. I think vice president has to go to somebody where you're trying to, to get a state and the electoral votes in Indiana while being positive, and he may be able, uh, he may be able to get um, – um, and, and I think we saw that with the loss of Senator Donnelly in uh, – uh, in, 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 in the state uh, to a Republican, I, I don't think necessarily that it's a lock for him to bring Indiana. And if the reason then is the constituency he brings is the LBGT constituency, they're going to vote Democrat no matter what. So versus, you know, Amy Klobuchar, who might be the perfect vice president, bring women and bring Midwest and bring working people and bring her state back into the fold, I don't think Mayor Pete necessarily uh, um, clicks when it comes to vice president. I think it's either president or or nothing. And uh, and listen, I do hope you know one day he gets his chance. I really do. All right, Cory Booker, are we going to elect a president who doesn't have a spouse? You know, and 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 this, I have a girlfriend, I have a boo boo, or whatever you know it, it is. The rumors are going to uh, are going to persist. I, I apologize. I don't mean to be going down a bad way. It, there have always been rumors that, that he is gay. He says he's dating an actress, Rosario. Uh, you probably can tell me better Wilson. her last name. 
Dawson. Um, And uh, I I don't necessarily, you know, think so. I think his erratic behavior during the Kavanaugh hearing was kind of strange. His breaks that he's had with Israel and with his friend Rabbi Shmuley Guteach and others over Israel has been has been questionable. I talked about his Wall Street record earlier. I listen. I think he's the real Obama. I don't think there's anybody in terms of upsides. This man can give a speech better than anybody. This man can can sew the Constitution into Bible verses. Uh, you know, I call him a Baptist Jew out there since he was a Baptist who who was involved in Jewish communities like uh, the High Society that he founded at Yale. Um, I think he's amazing. I really do. But I think that there are questions or questions during his time in Newark, New Jersey, if he was actually making up people and, cr- and crimes and that kind of thing. Nobody was better at getting to a crime, to getting to a fire, getting to touch the people as he does. And I think he's, he's amazing when it comes to it. I, I think he will run like Harris will on criminal justice reform. Um, but I think that there are parts of the party who question his behavior in terms of fundraising, question his temperament in terms of some of these some of these hearings. And lastly, I think that they um, they're looking at him and saying, you know, what what again does Senator Booker stand for? Uh, does he just stand for himself? Does he just stand for his ego? Can this love attitude he puts out there work? I'm not a, I'm not a big one to think that that it can, you know, the unifier. I think he's trying to take it a little bit from Obama. He's trying to say he can work on both sides of the aisle. He has done it in the past, but he hasn't done it in the present. I think Cory Booker may well get lost within the group that is out there. And if you look at the early primaries, and again, this may sound like it's a racial statement. Um, New Hampshire, although it's gone much more liberal, having you know people from Massachusetts move there who can't afford to live in Massachusetts, I don't uh, believe that necessarily an African American man um, can get those early primaries, both there and Iowa. Um, if he wins with the positive attitude, with the evangelical spirit that he puts out there, and I don't mean Christian evangelical spirit, but just the way that he's trying to to make things positive, turn the corner, not criticize Trump as he does. If he wins with that, then good for this country. Then I will be a happy man, too. Not that I support him, but I'll say that it isn't all negative. He doesn't represent the negative wing of this election that the angry Sanders, the angry Warren and others, you know, uh, put out. And even the angry Biden at this point put out there. So. With him, it's going to be, can he connect personally, and can he get over what some of his, his, uh, his, his issues are? You even just brought up the fact that he's not married, um, and I think, you know, to many, that may look uh, questionable. All right. Let's talk about Senator Warren. Um, a lot of people criticized her for that video she did, posted, I think it was on YouTube, where she's going to go get herself a beer and drag her husband into the picture. Was that a mistake? 
Oh, a, a, a terrible mistake because she's trying too hard. I mean, she is Elizabeth Warren. She's a professor from uh, from Harvard. Uh, she's um, but she doesn't connect at all. Okay, and th- this is going to sound again sexist when I say it. You know, she is an angry woman, and that doesn't work. When Hillary did it, it didn't work out there. Um, I also, Peter, don't think enough with the Massachusetts. Okay. You know, uh, from Dukakis on all, I think people uh, around the country are looking for something different. They're not looking for Elizabeth Warren to go up against Donald Trump. When she went up against Donald Trump, she lost. She, Donald Trump was right. I mean, the whole Pocahontas thing was was uh, was fantasy. And, you know, now she's trying to, you know, do fundraisers for those Native American communities and bring them into her fold and use and make a negative, a positive year. Um, I also think that when you go out on a given Tuesday or Wednesday and say, I want to break up Google and Amazon and Facebook, I think that the American people are like, we are we're concerned about Google, Amazon and Facebook, but Americans live their lives on Google, Amazon and Facebook. And I think it freaks a bunch of them out, if I can use that vernacular term um, there. So Elizabeth Warren. And, and, you know, here's the other thing. She's trying to uh, to thread a needle in a different way, Peter. She's trying to say. I agree with everything that the Democratic Socialists believe in, but I don't want to be labeled that way, okay? There. Elizabeth Warren is a hero to people for going after the banks. She has been right about that. That is her, 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 her best issue. But when it comes to personality, if the beauty contest is going to work and if the getting along with people is going to work and if the connecting with 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 constituents is going to work, um, a Massachusetts liberal who has questionable integrity in terms of statements is not going to be the winner here at all. The reason I one of the many reasons I ask is breaking up Google and Facebook on Amazon. I can see Jeff Bezos and Mark Zucker writing big checks for anybody but her. There's no doubt about it. And I can see the Washington Post going after going after her, too. Okay, you know, look at the last two weeks. The Washington Post has not been nice with uh, with Congresswoman uh, AOC. Okay, I mean, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post and and uh, and 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 he has he has a heck of a lot of money. He's going to look at his interests first. Uh, You know, last week, Facebook and WhatsApp all crashed and Americans were just, you know, crazed by it. So they may look at Bezos. They may laugh. They may say it's a fair. Now he's going to have the worst divorce in history. Um, But they also have a begrudging respect here. And the part that you just brought up, totally key. I don't see that their power by their own platforms, their word of mouth, the the entities they own, what they can do behind the scenes. I don't believe Elizabeth Warren is. Uh, Americans are saying, let's rip up what, what, what our day-to-day life is. Not going to work at all. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. We're talking about the Democrats running to be the presidential candidate in 2020 with Bob Newman, Newman Communications. My name's Peter Solomon. All right, let's talk about Kamala Harris. That statement she made about smoking marijuana, yes, she did, yes, she inhaled, and then she giggled. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and she's on like an FM morning show. 
talking about Tupac, who wasn't even around at that point. She's she's criticizing her her, her native you know her, her native country you know as being pot smokers. Her 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 uh, her family is getting angry out there. She doesn't seem to have an ability to keep it together. If she would stay in her lane, as they say in politics, she is smart. She was an attorney general. She should continue to talk about disparities uh, out there in terms of uh, criminal justice. I don't believe last week her talking about eliminating the death penalty is a way to go either. People see these horrific murders by the day. You know, we had a couple up in New Hampshire this past week. There are ones in your state all the time. I don't think this is an issue, too. I think Americans, in a lot of ways, and I'm even talking about what she has to get, the conservative end of the Democratic Party, the working Americans, those states I mentioned, your state, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Missouri, others, I don't think that that they're going to take to the death penalty. So I think she hasn't found the issues that, that best relate to her. And I think, you know, I'm sorry, my father used to say it all the time, she has diarrhea of the milk. I really do. I think she just comes out and says things and wants to relate, wants to be a regular person. I think I think that she has bona fides in that she's a woman. She has bona fides in that uh, she's a person of color. She has bona fides in that she was not only an attorney general, but she was a, uh, um, uh, a a district attorney before it. But you know what, too? She hasn't been in that long. And this goes back to the non-experience issue of Donald Trump and before uh, Barack Obama. I don't even know if it's her time just yet. And California is not where you want to put the vice president from at all, unless they really believe bringing women in will do it. And if you're going to team a Biden with a Harris versus a Klobuchar. All right. Bernie, too old, too radical. Yeah, a fundraising machine, just unbelievable. But when he shows up on TV two days ago with a patch on his head, you know, from an accident, I think Americans look and say, "Uh oh, you know, this is Uncle Bernie. We love Uncle Bernie and people are committed to to Uncle Bernie. I think there's always going to be the division in the Democratic Party of what was done to him last time, Peter. I, you know, in terms of the Clintons who took him on the Democratic Party, who, who made the electoral vote uh, process. I mean, the uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the convention vote process so difficult. I think the whole democratic socialism thing is questionable. Medicare for all is questionable in terms of how it's going to be paid for. He will have an enormous constituency. He potentially can win, okay, in terms of of the votes. Uh, but I I don't know if he has the ability to beat Donald Trump out there. And uh, you know, Americans may get very, very, very worried, and Trump may be able to just throw out Venezuela all the time as the comparison on socialism. So I think, you know, Bernie has passed his negatives of his wife being investigated and those kind of things. He was a very moderate mayor when he was in, when he was in Burlington, Vermont. But um, I think he has a movement, and I think he has a movement that has to be dealt with by the party. Um, he potentially could be the nominee, but I think he has to find a way to moderate a little bit to connect with those in the Midwest, especially. Okay, and, and in your state. And we're starting to run out of time, so I want to ask you about that bottom tier that you sort of eliminated right away. Marianne Williams. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> Andrew Yang. 
what possesses these people to run and to spend the money and to spend the energy? What do you think is going on with that? Ego. Well, it's ego. It's, it's really easy. You know, uh, Marion Williamson, you know, Andrew Yang. I mean, they um, – I think they've said, well, Marion's written enough spiritual books. Andrew's done enough VC in his uh, venture capital in his day. I think they just look and say, you know, I have the money to blow. Michael Bloomberg was a smart guy. He looked and said – I could blow the money, but why don't I blow it appropriately? Why don't I give all the money to the Democratic Party overall to win the Senate, to win the Congress, and support whoever the nominee is out there, and to go after some very serious issues that he believes in? That's a classy guy when he said, I don't really have it to win. I mean, people would say the same thing about the independent candidate, Howard Schultz. They would say, you know, what possesses somebody like that to run? And maybe I had, we have our answer, Peter. What possesses them to run is Donald Trump. If Donald Trump could do it, I could do it. So I've got the ego. Uh, the American doesn't seem to be too serious about the experience issue. Let me give it a shot. I have all the money in the world to blow. Um, and uh, they have to live with their own selves. They have to live with their own families, their own bank accounts. But, you know, that's, you know, their prerogative if they, as, as Yang got the, uh, the 65,000 donors that he needed to be on ballots. Well, but Marianne's candidacy strikes me in particular because I've interviewed Marianne on one of her books, and she's out there. You're talking about spiritually out yes. there. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's definitely out there, but she has gotten no legs. I, I've represented her in the past. She's got no legs in the last number of weeks. Listen, if every candidate could bring a little of Marion Williamson to the equation, that soft spirituality, I think we would be a better country. But if, if it's going to be focused like it is, uh, like she wants to on spirituality or Jay Inslee wants to on environment, I don't think that this is a uh, at all a – uh, a avenue, a lane in which uh, is going to win the presidency. But Donald Trump and even Barack Obama before him have created this. Anybody can can win out there. I I think you know you're right about she can be out there. You know it's the old Ted Kennedy saying. I say all the time: you go so far right, you go left; you go so far left, you go right. Her spirituality gets to a certain point where you wonder: is this appropriate in the halls of government? Is she wrapped too tight? <laughs> Put it out slightly differently. Or not wrapped tight enough. Right. No, no, no. I, and I think so. I, I think what she will do is she will add some entertainment value to your to uh, to the stage if she gets into debates. I don't think you have any possibility, Peter, that she will uh, she will be the nominee. There's no way in the world if you're going to go for a female nominee, go for a former attorney general who's a current senator, go for a long term senator in, in Klobuchar or go for even a senator in Zillabrand, who I don't think has a chance also in, in you know what, to uh, to get in. So oh. it's not going to be Marion Williamson, no worries. Well, Gillibrand, every time I open my email, there's a new fundraising missive from her. Uh, I mean, these people like, like, like Booker and Gillibrand, in the middle of a Kavanaugh hearing, they're hitting the fundraising button. I mean, it's just, it's, we're, we're talking about Donald Trump has having brought back the swamp or never cleaned up the swamp. There's a lot of swamp creatures in this, uh, in this group here, too. And 
Gillibrand wants to put out that, you know, she's the perky one, she's the positive one. She jumps on any issue at any time. You know, get in that picture for 9-11, uh, you know, reparations and that kind of thing. Um, I know I'll be beaten up on that because she's probably done some work on it, but she is a she's a political animal, and her throwing uh, Franken under the bus showed that more than anything. And I'd like to say thank you to Bob Newman, Newman Communications. It's always insightful to hear his take on current political issues. This morning's case, the Democratic candidates for the nomination for president. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. You're welcome. Nothing left to say, but see you soon. Talk with you soon, Bob. And yeah, no, I think I think we'll have a larger field uh, next. And then maybe the time after, we will we'll have it reduced at some point. We'll really be able to focus on who, uh, who will be the nominee and who can beat Trump. Let's hope so. Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. If you can't, nothing left to say, but see you soon. And we're back. My name's Peter Solomon. It's WIP Sunday. When I was a kid in high school, long ago with Fred Flintstone, taking the dinosaur there every day, um, the science teacher had a saying on the wall that I'd be interested in what my next guest thinks of. It was a quote from Albert Schweitzer, of all people. Man has lost the capacity to foresee and forestall. He will end by destroying the earth. And my guest this morning has got some stuff to say about that as it relates to Donald Trump's budget proposal for the next fiscal year. Let me say good morning to Bonnie Bello, former public affairs director of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, Region 2 and a member of the Environmental Protection Network. Good morning, Bonnie Bello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bonnie, what do you think of that quote? Are we going to destroy the Earth if we're not careful? Well, I think the past year or two has been um, a dramatic example of what we can expect. Um, we had the devastating wildfires in California. We've had an incredible period of climate change, which has been experienced in every state across the country, whether um, you were living in California at some point in the last few years and experiencing drought, and then incredible pouring rains that caused mudslides to the horrible hurricanes in Texas and Puerto Rico. And I think there's no denying um, that we are reaping what we have sowed here. by not fully taking um, account of a changing world, a changing earth, and the way we must protect it. So we are indeed heading for trouble. Well, absolutely. I mean, even um, putting aside climate change, which is an issue for all of us and certainly for generations to come, you've got the practical aspects of un controlled in some areas, industrial pollution. There have been huge, you know, keep in mind, over the years, um, EPA is going to celebrate its 50th birthday next year. But over the years, there have been huge improvements. The air has gotten cleaner. Water has gotten cleaner. We have come to expect to be able to turn on our drinking water taps and have um, water that we can um, drink and consider safe. And yet, we still have enormous problems. Um, Over the last two summers, for example, in the Great Lakes, Lake Erie was um, affected by algae blooms that caused um, huge impacts and potential threats to drinking water supplies. The city of Toledo, Ohio, draws its drinking water from from Lake Erie, and they almost had to shut down 
that drinking water supply for a huge American city. So, you know, those are the kinds of impacts we have when we don't monitor what's going on and take action to clean it up. Well, I remember that old song by Tom Lair, turn on the tap and get hot and cold running crud. Right. Well, I mean, sadly, we look at what happened in Flint, Michigan. Um, it's a complicated story, but in the end, the reality is that people were really threatened, particularly children. I think that's very important um, to recognize that um, in our communities, our most vulnerable uh, residents are children. Um, their bodies are growing. They breathe in more air um, than an adult. They're affected by chemicals and pollutions more than an adult, and they were threatened by serious levels of lead in the drinking water in Flint. And, you know, not only um, was it hugely upsetting and a serious health issue for people in that community, it became hugely expensive to reverse what had been done and also to provide bottled water, which has got two problems. Not only are you giving people water that they could be taking from a natural source, but you are creating huge pollution in the form of plastics. So you know, that are getting into our oceans and our rivers and our streams. I don't think there's probably a, a reader, you know, a listener among your listeners who hasn't gone to a beautiful place and there's junk that is washed up on the shore. So environmental protection and public health protection is absolutely critical, and I think it's undeniable that we must control it. Um, we don't want to go back to getting up on a Sunday morning and looking out and opening the window and the windowsill is covered with soot. Um, I'm sure there are people in the Philadelphia area that are very familiar with that. I'm a New Yorker and um, I can remember clearly when, you know, you were constantly wiping that black soot off your windowsill and it wasn't just your windowsill, that same soot was getting into your lungs and causing very, very serious incidents of lung disease, high levels of asthma that we still struggle with and other kinds of respiratory problems. And we're talking with Bonnie Bello, former public affairs director, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, Region 2, and a member of the Environmental Protection Network. Bonnie, I need you to stay with us. Got to run a few commercials. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. I'm talking with Bonnie Bello. Bonnie is the former public affairs director of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, Region 2, and member of the Environmental Protection Network. And we're talking about Donald Trump's proposal for the next budget of the Environmental Protection Agency. My name's Peter Solomon. Okay, Bonnie, we want to preserve the planet. I think there's almost any, everybody, with the possible exception of the president, who agrees we're headed for trouble. What are we going to, what's, what's this budget proposal going to do? Well, the bottom line is there was once a time when the EPA budget was based on what was needed to help the agency address significant risks to public health and the environment. Today's budget and the budgets that we've seen over the past three years since the president has been in office are, is really more, they have been really more of policy statements on what the administration's position is on the need for environmental protection. This budget, which is almost identical to the budgets proposed by the administration for the past two years, is wholly inadequate. It would leave the agency simply unable to fulfill its basic mission to do its daily job. It is 
a proposed cut of 31%. So think about any kind of budget you're preparing. If you had to cut it by 31%, you, for most of us, even our household budgets, how would you even consider running your home on a 31%, let alone your business? It is the largest reduction of any other federal agency in the budget. And frankly, on its face, it's really ridiculous. And it's very important to keep in mind that Congress has rejected Trump's budget proposals over the past two years and restored some of the funding and programs that were slated for complete elimination, which I'll get to in a minute. But what's really important to understand is that even in the years of the Obama administration, the Congress ultimately is the one that puts forth and passes a final budget. And it's like any negotiation. If you start really, really low, you are not going to get to an asking price that is a reasonable level of funding. So what has happened is that the agency essentially has been nickeled and dimed for years and has had an increasingly lower budget and less staffing to do its job. So each time we start at this bottom that the Trump proposes, and then you have a negotiation with two parties in Congress and the administration to ultimately have a budget that is acceptable and passable, we get to a level that is somewhere I wouldn't even describe it as in the middle. It's you know practically impossible um, for the agency to really do its critical work um, with this level of funding. What do we need to do if we're concerned? Well, first of all, I think we need to make our voices heard because I think it's important for people to realize that these aren't just numbers. I mean, 31% sounds like a lot, but what is really critical are the cuts in programs that the budget translates into. So, for example, budget staffing. This current proposed budget shrinks the staffing in Washington and in regional offices, like the one in Philadelphia, um, to its lowest levels since 1985. It is um, a huge cut um, from over almost 15,000 employees to about 12,451 proposed in the 2020 budget. And the people who go to work every day in regional offices, like in Philadelphia, they are on the ground to make sure rules and regulations for industrial pollution are being followed, that there are no violations, that local industrial facilities all around the Philadelphia area are not polluting the air. They have permits and they have to meet the requirements that are set forth for releasing emissions into the air, for releasing um, discharging water that is treated into local water bodies. So, you know, if you do not have people on the job to do that work, you are at greater risk of violations. There is a huge amount of work done on the cleanup of hazardous waste sites, of Superfund sites, and that work is going along, but you need people to do that work. You need the research and science that has advanced what we know about contamination to properly do cleanup. And one of the most devastating cuts in the budget is a 45% cut in funding for science. And science is the essential work that underpins everything at EPA. So if you cut science programs, 
you are eliminating some of the huge advancements that you know we have made over many many years and there are new issues that have come up um, we have learned over the past years through a lot of research that's been done through EPA and academic institutions that there are chemicals that can damage the human reproductive system they're called endocrine disruptors this is a very major problem so we need to have people in our research labs um, in the divisions that do the work to set standards for the control of these chemicals if we're going to protect people. And the, the other thing is the, it's, it's amazing when you take a look at the budget that certain programs are just completely slashed. And keep in mind that across the country, low-income communities of color are impacted much worse than other parts of the population. There's a disparate impact on those communities. And in this budget, for example, the president is calling for elimination of programs that protect people from lead exposure, from children from lead paint, children from lead in drinking water. It eliminates a program, for example, in Alaska Native Villages, which is a long way from Philadelphia. But there are parts of this country, we forget, where communities still do not have running water and wastewater treatment. And the EPA has been able to provide funding to assist those communities in putting in infrastructure that will give them running water and toilet, um, toilets that flush. Um, and go to a wastewater treatment plant where um, that wastewater is not discharged into local water supplies that provide drinking water. And the work that has been done over the years through programs like that has hugely reduced the incidence of um, various kinds of um, illnesses from water, you know, waterborne diseases from exposure to contaminated water. So it's pretty devastating, and it's very practical. Um, for you know, people who depend on EPA to make sure that they turn on their tap and their drinking water is safe. Well, it's it's amazing to me that they want to cut funds for lead paint abatement, and the money we cut from lead paint abatement today is money we're going to spend on helping people with developmental disabilities tomorrow, because lead paint causes developmental disabilities. Absolutely. I mean, everything in this budget is short-sighted. For example, and this is another one um, for the Philly area where there are beautiful water bodies, the, we've got bodies of water in this country that generate huge revenue and pleasure for local residents. Um, rivers, lakes, the Great Lakes, the Florida Everglades. Uh, if we don't protect them, they become threatened and they have been threatened for many, many years. Over the years, there have been programs to protect them. This budget calls for the elimination of the funding for the Great Lakes. It slashes the funding to protect Chesapeake Bay, for example, by 90%. So it barely keeps it on life support. And the other funding for areas like the Long Island Sound, the Florida Keys, the Gulf of Mexico, those pro programs are in the budget to be fully eliminated, the funding for those programs. So you look at this and you think, you know, if Chesapeake Bay becomes polluted, there's been such improvements in that body of water. You think about the fishing, the 
boating, the businesses along the bay that have thrived because of this, you know, wonderful physical space that people come out to, bring their families to, and enjoy um, all year round. So, you know, again, it is extremely short-sighted not to think now about all the impacts because this, these budgets are really an investment in our health and our environment. They're, they're absolutely imperative, and it is completely um, really putting your head in the sand not to consider that in putting forth such a really ridiculous budget level. Well, Donald has to get the money some from somewhere to pay for that wall, so maybe this is where he's going to get it from. Well, obviously, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, you know, the president has a particular apparent dislike for EPA. Um, he, you know, ran on um, eliminating the agency um, or putting it, certainly putting it in his place. He has um, tried to do that for the past few years. And I just want to say one thing about the group that I work with, the Environmental Protection Network, because it's a little different than um, many environmental groups. Um, we are a volunteer network of all former EPA employees across multiple um, political administrations, Democrats and Republicans. It's a bipartisan organization of people who have left EPA over the years and some in recent years during the Trump years, who are the officials who are the experts in many of the areas slated for cuts. So when a budget like this is put forth, we have the expertise to explain what it really matters, why that matters on the ground. And for example, if a proposal is put forth, which it has been, to roll back the fuel economy standards, um, we've got people in our network who actually were involved in writing those standards and have spent their careers doing important environmental work and know it better than anyone because they actually did the work. So we are here as a resource for the environmental community, for reporters, for the public, for um, congressional staff um, to come to us for really detailed information about why all of this needs to be taken very seriously. Bonnie Bello, do you have a website you can refer us to for more information? Um, yes, it's environmentalprotectionnetwork.org. The environmentalprotectionnetwork.org for folks right. who want more information on the budget cuts that are being proposed and what you can do about them. Thank you, Bonnie Bello, for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Stay tuned for Sports Talk with Sunny Hill. Always interesting and provocative discussion in the living room. Your opinion, Sonny's reactions, I know I'll be listening. Thank you to Phil Jackson, this morning's producer, and my dear wife, Ann Tideman-Solomon, associate producer. Couldn't do the show without either one of you. Nothing left to say, but happy St. Patrick's Day. See you soon.